Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. favorite show is over but we're just getting started over here post show recaps welcome back my friends it is i rich filiberto dm philly over here at post show role-playing games i'm very excited to have you with me this week as we're going to stop down and we're going to play the fantasy flight star wars rpg in the world of the mandalorian if this podcast has showed up in your star wars feed and you're saying what the hell is psrpgs i don't know what this is i will stop for a moment to explain but this is where i merge my two favorite things tabletop role-playing games with all the shows and the movies that we're covering over here at post show recaps and we try to use the rules of the game to tell a collaborative improvised story that kind of feels like it could be happening just off screen of the episodes that we've been watching so the mandalorian season three is over but now i'm just getting started and i have a crack crew of people to take to a galaxy far far away uh, for this wild adventure. Of course, it would not be the Mandalorian if I was uh, not here with my partner in crime, Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? Hello there. Yes, so excited, Rich, to throw myself into yet another game in a very similar universe. I don't want to show my hand too much, but I may be playing a character whose name rhymes with Dizzo. No, I'm not playing Lizzo. I'm not going to be playing Lizzo's <laughs> character, the Duchess of Plazier 15. I'm going to let iconicness lay and not, you know, break uh try to break what's not breakable i was very excited to see you play a bard in a galaxy far far away i saw that flute behind you and i was wondering like oh bardic inspiration in star wars is that a thing can we do that yeah i mean inspiration is just given all the time in star wars hell there's so many iconic speeches throughout our decades upon decades of galactic lore that i think everyone's inspired at all times uh, true story. Do or do not. There is no try. Uh, the guiding light of my life. Um, we have a bunch of our friends with us, Mike. We are here with the one and only Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, how are you? General Filiberto. 
<laughs> Mike thrown in the hello there. I gotta do yeah. some sort of follow up. <laughs> so we'll let's just seed that dialogue throughout everyone's introductions. <laughs> you were younger than I expected. Oh man, what an exciting place to be in a galaxy far, far away in this capacity. Uh I'm I love Star Wars. I I've had a rocky relationship with Star Wars over the, the last like maybe decade. Not decade, right? I don't know how long the new trilogy has been out, but it feels like a decade ago it's near a but, decade it was a, no it actually 2015 was uh the release of force awakens right that was oh the pre-hype God. that was when the trailers yeah. dropped and like the energy began at least yep but i've been back into star wars especially with i mean the mandalorian i think brought me back hard and andor was so incredible so i i'm back in the star wars universe and uh in this particular capacity i've actually been in the star wars universe for a little bit which is really fun it's very exciting. We will stop down to talk about it for a second. We are not alone. We're with the one and only Dr. Melissa Woodward. Melissa, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. I've never talked Star Wars on PSR before, but like, gosh, I love this franchise. So yeah. It feels like a real missed opportunity. I know you and I have talked about Star Wars a lot over the years uh, and our shared affection of like the absolute ridiculous goofiness that occurs yeah. in this like world of a space opera. But I am very excited to have you join us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's always so I gosh, I grew up one of my really good friends growing up, I think, introduced me to this. I used to watch it with my dad a lot. Like I've, I've been watching Star Wars my entire life, but I yeah, like a little dude who's like a real quirky fella. Like, give me, give me all the, give me the droids <laughs> screaming as they like careen across <laughs> a ship. Like, yeah, I like R2 is my favorite character. I, adore, wow, which I don't Amazing. think it's like a crazy hot take, but like a snarky droid. Oh, like Melissa, you yeah. need to watch Star Wars Rebels because Chopper is like right up your alley. Yeah, so I've watched, I've made my way through almost all of Clone Wars. I'm like, I've got like a, I, I did the, I did the terrible thing where I try, I was trying to watch chronologically and then I like the, or sorry, whatever we're going to call the order that the internet tells you to watch Clone Wars in. Mm. And then I, I messed it up somehow. Disney Plus was like, watch this episode next. And I just like watched a whole bunch. And so now I've like lost track of which episodes I've seen and which I haven't. So I have to go through and just, I think I just have to like rewatch all of Clone Wars or maybe just watch the last two seasons and some of which I've seen, some of which I haven't and then get into Rebels. But that's been my stopping point on Rebels is that I've like done this to myself and now I don't know how to finish Clone Wars. Honestly, Melissa, I had the exact same experience. I was trying to follow the like, <laughs> machete internet Clone Wars yeah. order and I got totally off track. I was like, God damn it. I have no idea where I'm supposed to go back in. So I just jumped back in like halfway through season four, like ripped it straight forward. The end is fantastic. Uh, those final four episodes of Clone Wars, I've talked about it with Mike all season, mm -hmm. the like Siege of Mandalore, which ties in really deeply with Mandalorian season three. Some of my favorite Star Wars stuff, full stop. Yeah, I would say maybe I am damning the order out there. If you like look at the order and you just start with like the witches of Dathomir and then go mm -hmm. forward from there, that in my opinion is fine. I remember that for me was like the first episode where I said, oh, okay, this is really like the show rashing itself into a next level. So I think you'd still have to kind of jump around seasons and following that guy. But if you're looking for a place to start naturally within said guide, that's really when like things get kicked up a notch in many ways. 
Um, so Mike and I have been talking about it all season, but I just love to pick your brain a little bit about the Mandalorian season three, Melissa, uh, what'd you think? How'd you feel about it? There's been a lot of discussion ups, downs, uh, what's your vibe on Mando season three? I mean, I like it and I will fully admit that I subscribe to the DJ LaBelle Pine school of all Star Wars is good Star Wars. I, and I say this as someone for whom attack of the clones is a, is a thing that happened. Um, mm-hmm. and so boy did it, but like, I, I, again, like maybe this is a hot take all the, all the, like the movies in the modern era I've enjoyed, like, I don't watch those movies and I'm like, well, that was a waste of a few hours. I wish that mm. hadn't happened. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, I got to go to a movie. There was star Wars stuff. That was fun. Like I enjoy star Wars even when it's pretty bad so and sometimes it's really good so yeah i liked uh season three of mando there were definitely bits where i was like you know looking down at my phone and i wasn't like quite as gripped with some of it but some of it i was like uh messaging in i was really enjoying i enjoy all of like grogu becoming a character that has agency in this show which is very fun not just like someone that something did something to and i was messaging with rich the whole when he gets in the the droid and is like no 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 yes and i was like that whole sequence uh rich and i were like dying about it messages as we were messaging back and forth about it so yeah i really enjoyed it i it's been a while i didn't do like a season one two rewatch mm-hmm. before this so i'm struggling to like order it i know that there was like some conversation in the discord of like where it ranks in terms of order but yeah it's like absolutely one of those that i was like oh i'm really glad that i was coming on here and so i had the nudge of like stop sticking this on your two watch list and just watch it finally because it you will enjoy it I think it plays well on a binge. It cruises fast. They're short episodes. Um, and I really do think that like the themes of the season resonate much better when you get them in a compressed timeline, uh, pacing notwithstanding. How about you, Kevin? How'd you feel about Mando season three? I mostly enjoyed Mando season three. Uh, I don't subscribe to the <laughs> idea that all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Shocker that Kevin has extreme. Our ends panel has a spectrum. light side and a dark yeah. side when it comes. Yeah, to Yeah, for Wars, real, Kevin. Yeah. I think and that then Kevin Melissa... and I disagree on something. What? Yeah. What? Like we based yeah. the entire Whoa. podcast series around that. Whoa! <laughs> Go figure that Melissa's well balanced and healthy in the way that she approaches Star Wars, but you know. Nope, not me. <laughs> <I'm either. laughs> it's I mean, fine. Doctor Who has really turned this dynamic on its head a lot. That's true. Kevin actually, is often yeah. the apologist, and I'm the one being like, this is stupid. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, I really enjoyed a lot of Mando season three. I do think it's a little more uneven, probably, than um, season one, which I think was really, really solid. And had season two, I think, leans more towards like really, really great stuff. Um, but like this world was really interesting to me because one of the things I liked about Mandalorian, the potential of Star Wars is the ability to tell so many different stories across this, not just the galaxy, but also spectrum of time. Um, and I really enjoy that. Like I'm, I, as much as I say that at the same time, like little things really delighted me this season. I love the Jedi, at least as they were in certain instances. Clearly, sometimes the Jedi's are going to be a little problematic for me. From but a certain point of view, Kevin, the, view. the Jedi can be very fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so like this season, um, like the I think the thing that stuck out to me most is just the emotionality of the Ahmed Best. You know, him returning, I thought was just such a moment. Playing Kelleran back, I think was phenomenal for me. Again, like I one have a Jedi bias, but two, just 
seeing him again, considering his history, the story of, mm-hmm. of him when he played Jar Jar to now, I, I, it was just such a moment for me that this season really sticks out for that reason alone to to have like to to give him this because I think it's just so great. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy it, but like, there's so much about Star Wars I like. Like I mentioned, I'm this is we're recording this five days ahead of a big release for me, which is of course Jedi Survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like talk about something that reignited my love of star wars uh that's a huge one for me um hot take for me if we're talking r2d2 is is your favorite character there's for me a high instance of cal kestis is my favorite character mm, and quite wow. possibly my favorite jedi um, cal kestis I, just to like stop down is the lead character of jedi fallen order it was a video game released uh like 2019 i think mm-hmm. by ea it's very much like an action adventure um like modern console game fantastic the great austin smith and myself will be covering jedi survivor uh week to week at least through the month of may maybe a little bit further as we play through it but cal's very cool kevin for sure I love that character. I love his journey. I love how the game plays out. Um, so I'm really excited to continue that story. But like, yeah, all my character favorite characters are basically just because like it's Cal. I love Luke. Vader was my favorite for a long time. Then it dipped during the prequels and it skyrocketed after Rogue One. So like, like basically the, the that part of the Star Wars universe has always appealed to me. But there's so much more to explore. And I think circling back, that's what Mandalorian gave me is this other side to Star Wars almost for the most part absent of the jedi and seeing like these other areas that i wasn't always keen on like the smugglers and the bounty hunters but like now i kind of am like i'm really into this concept and really into these these types of stories that weren't really focused on i think in the classic trilogy of trilogies so this is what i love about Star Wars is the ability to tell all these different types of stories with these different types of characters in this giant galaxy and mando is kind of scratching that itch yeah, it's really fun to be able to jump around. The fact that we, uh, over the course of a year, are able to get a, a series of shows like Obi-Wan and Andor and Mando Season 3 and cover such like a kind of width and breadth of, of tone and theme and ideas and location and time frames. It's very compelling. Star Wars is in a pretty great state, uh, regardless of how you're feeling about any individual property. Um, so we get together today and we're going to play ourselves a tabletop role-playing game, uh, Fantasy Flight Games. They've got a series of three separate games if you go out there and you start looking for them at first glance you might think to yourself oh are these all different um the games are force and destiny age of rebellion and edge of the empire and what they really are are three different books for core rule books as they say that are really just focused on different areas of this gigantic gallery different um venues and different kind of themes and and tones that we tell these star wars stories and the edge of the empire is very much the scum and villainy of the hour rim the age of rebellion is very much that classic trilogy fight against the empire uh rebel alliance and force and destiny is okay so you love jedis do you Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day all of these books are cross compatible you could with very small exceptions crack open any given one of them make characters that are individually from each of the different books put them all together in a crew and have yourself a star wars adventuring party Mike, we got together and played it back before Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've run it a few times since then. I've had a couple of clients that got very excited about all the Star Wars property and had me run it for them. But I just would love to like revisit with you. Uh, after that one experience of us playing this game, it's very unconventional. 
It's got crazy dice. It's got really interesting narrative systems. It's a narrative-driven game that gives the players kind of a lot more power to affect the story than than something like D&D. But just looking back to that experience you had, I'm curious what stands out to you and what you're kind of most excited to like get into today. I mean, the answer is fairly simple there, which is what you just mentioned, and it, and it being narrative-driven. I mean, listen, I love D&D with all my heart. It is my high school sweetheart, but I will admit that, you know, I have been dipping my toes in the waters a bit, uh, swiping right perhaps on some profiles of some other tabletop role-playing game styles, because I totally agree that while D&D is fantastic in and of itself, it is very numerically based, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you hit this or you do not hit this and you do this amount of damage and then you take this amount of damage. It is like fairly standard in terms of interacting with the environment. Oh, you rolled a 10 out of 20. So this is what this means. I mean, like droid speech, it's binary, right? You hit, you miss. Uh, it's a lot of like success or fail in D&D. There's, it doesn't do a great job allowing for like gradations of success. Right. And so what's great about stuff like this and Powered by the Apocalypse and Blades in the Dark that I've been starting to explore a bit more in the past year helped in part due to this uh, Star Wars one-time RPG that we did a little while back is this idea of particularly like mixed successes and mixed failures, which is essentially, yes, there is a light side and there is a dark side, but I'd say with the other, you know, 80% of the galaxy, everything that's in the gray middle there, everything from, okay, it works, but it doesn't work completely to like, well, you're pretty boned, but not all the way boned. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. From a narrative perspective, I think it's fun from both your perspective, Rich, to like color what a mixed success means when you're trying to fire your blaster at someone in an alley to how a mixed success translates to like, you trying to liaise with, you know, one of the witches of Dathomir and see how that translates in very different ways. And from a player perspective, like you said, the idea of how does that translate to us as well? I think there's also the idea of, again, there is a wide swath of people, places, and occupations, as Kevin alluded to, across the Star Wars galaxy in particular. Not to say, again, that depending on how you play in D&D, that's, you know, certainly something that could happen. But I feel like, again, D&D, there's a certain amount of classes that you can take up. Whereas, again, you essentially, at least our exercise today, is that we came to Rich with a narrative of what we wanted our character to be, and then he sort of created the build for it thusly. I mean, I'm maybe speaking out of my rear end here. I don't know if there are, like, specific categories that these characters are placed in, but it seems more so appropriate to, like, who we are as humans that we're not categorized as, like, a rogue or a monk. It's more so, like, yeah, I'm kind of good with weapons and I'm pretty good with vehicles. And then you sort of gather the, the, the skills thusly. So that being said, it's more murky, I think, from a numerical behind the scenes from perspective to the point where the dice that we are rolling like feels like they're out of the cold open of the fifth element. If I go inside a temple and I find that like hulking robot alien alongside are these oddly shaped glyphed dice that can tell us how much we succeed or failure at, fail at every roll we do. Yeah, Azim, it's very, light. 
<laughs> I'm ready, Husky. Um, it's really a very fascinating game, and the crazy dice are very fun. To Mike's point, there's no numbers on the dice. We're not rolling for numerical successes. The difficulties are not um, numbers that you're trying to beat with the twenty sided die, right? Um, in the same way that we played, uh, we played Apocalypse World for our Last of Us uh, PSRPG, and, it, and it's one of these games that involves a lot of improvisation. The kind of mandate of that game is play to see what happens, and I find that a lot with the fantasy flight games as much as i can prep encounters i have no idea how those encounters are going to play out given the nature of these dice um there are these things called triumphs and then there are despairs and ultimately these are additional kind of uh, benefits or uh catastrophes that compile up on top of whatever it is that you're trying to kind of engage with and roll and to your point about the kind of lack of character classes in DD again um it, you know dungeons and dragons built this mechanical system that has since over the 50 years become like the backbone for almost any kind of like video game or computer mm. role-playing game that you might play you earn enough experience points you level up when you level up all your stuff gets better and it is this kind of like progressive vertical growth right um it's linear it's straightforward the fighter at fifth level is always going to be better than the fighter at third whereas in a game like the fantasy flight star wars games you accumulate xp and you spend it on things over time it's non-linear it's not vertical you can expand kind of outwards you can make yourself a jack of all trades you can really focus in and specialize on the stuff that you start out being good at but it's the kind of system that certainly um it kind of like articulates a person in a more well-rounded way than a DD character does dare i say um all of these character sheets they're imperfect representations of fictional people right but kevin you've played the fantasy flight star wars game a pretty good amount so i'd love to hear like your take on it what you love about it your expectations and maybe even like what you might tell your friends about to join you on this adventure that perhaps i have not addressed for them um so yeah i've played this a couple well times um in the star wars system i've also played it because like this is also part of the i think fantasy flight does it's the genesis system as it's called and you can use it in different settings so i've done this via a universal monsters game that the same Star Wars DM, he runs that too. So I'm fairly familiar with the structure of the dices, for example. And that, that to me is really like what Mike was saying, sets this apart from so many other RPGs. Because like, I'm an RPG whore. I want to play every system and, and at least once. I want to see what it's like because I find them so interesting. You're speaking my you love language, characters. Kevin. Mm -hmm. It's uh, true, yeah. like... I'm a character person. I love building characters. I love creating characters. That ties right into my like love of writing fiction. And every system has a way to build characters that are different. And what's interesting about this is that it's called careers because it really is like, well, what's your job? But it becomes like, how do you do that job? It's mm -hmm. not just like, oh, I'm a fighter, so I'm going to fight things. Because Listen, yes, there's different subclasses in D&D, &D, and I love D&D &D with all my heart. But it is a bit different where you're just like, well, it's a fighter is a fighter is a fighter, ultimately, right? And like with this, it's just, it's how you do your job can shape so many different ways that you could play the same thing and be very different, especially depending what species you are and what combo you want to do. And then you throw the narrative dice into there and it's game changing in terms of how the story goes, but also <clears throat> your character. One of uh, my friends who plays this game this is one of my favorite stories about the Fantasy Flight Star Wars and what it can do. He created his character and he really wanted to be a Han Solo type. That's what he had in mind. This like smart talking sharpshooter, you know, shoots first. Like 
he had it in his brain of what this character was. They started playing the game. His first big dice roll was going to be pulling out his blaster and firing at someone, and he rolled a despair. And the DM was just like, you pull out your blaster, it flies out of your hand and skids across the floor in front of the bad guy. And that's the first major thing that happened to him. And all of a sudden, his character is just like, this is a com- he's completely different. Because of this mm. dice roll, my character, this is my character now. He is this. <laughs> like, And so it became like this complete shift because of what the narrative almost dictated in a way and how you incorporate that. So it's really fascinating in that way, like how much the dice can really change what you think you're going to be doing and have to be light on your feet and improvisational in a way that I think something like D&D isn't always. Because even for the DMs, things shift and change in ways that, that warrants improvisation more than other traditional uh, tabletop RPGs. And I think that's so interesting and so unique. Uh, and again, the application across all diff- these different things, like sure, we do D&D in space, you know, be a spell jammer, but this is like so different too, where it's like, like I said, Universal Monsters is an example and like Pulp Adventures. So there's so much here that is so different and, and exciting to, to set up and do. And whatever ideas you have in your head about what your character's gonna do and how it's all gonna turn, turn out, Take it with a grain of salt because everything could go wrong at any point in time. That's the joy of this notion of play to see what happens, right? Mm. That um, I, as a dungeon master, a lot of times with D&D, I'll make an adventure and I have a sense of how it's going to go and the linear progression of it. I keep talking about linear because D&D strengths lend to that. It's not a bug. It's a feature of the game. That's how it's designed and that's the best way to kind of implement it a lot of the time from my experience. But um, Melissa, you've heard me say a thousand times it's, it's a meme about me that I say the dice tell the story. But I think that the word that gets left out of that turn of phrase that I use a lot is like let the dice tell the story sometimes these mm. failures can really be informative and and in terms of we play to see what happens sometimes we play to see who these people are and once you do get into the dice rolling and the circumstances begin to cascade into a uh, failure vortex all of a sudden you realize this person is not exactly who they think they are and I love that because it's an element of uh, tabletop role playing that really mirrors life of the way person <laughs> And kind of thinks about themselves might not perfectly align with like how everybody else sees them right which is very fun uh kevin alluded to it but obviously the four of us all get together uh pretty much every week over on my twitch channel we play DD in space uh it is very much dungeons and dragons it's a bit more of a nautical inspired kind of space setting than the future sci-fi that is star wars but as somebody that's never really cracked into these fantasy flight games but has played a ton of DD in space with me I'm curious, like, what your expectation is. What do you think we're getting into here? Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. And especially because, like, I am someone who notoriously hates the phrase, the dice tell the story. Like, in my mind, mind, the players at the table tell the story. Like, we are the humans. We are the people who decide how that go. And I, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. This will be kind of an exercise in me, um, you know, letting go a little bit and seeing <laughs> what happens. Um, and like, as someone who is currently running a spoiler alert, Kevin, who's playing it at a very improv play by post adventure right now, I've been doing that a lot lately and, and trying to like lean into that more. So I'm, I'm very excited. I love playing non D and D RPGs. I've done monster of the week a lot um, has been kind of the go-to that like apocalypse now uh, play system. 
I haven't done this one specifically, but my one of my favorite things is I love playing a different system and then stealing from it to bring back to the D&D games yes. that I run. Mm. And so like people talk about um, with this, for example, the like mixed success, mixed failure. I do that all the time in interpreting dice rolls. Like if you don't, if you roll a 12, that's not a like out and out success, right? So it's like, okay, what's the like, mixture here of like yeah you get some information but what's the thing that you're not seeing which is a line i stole from abria iyengar just to like properly credit that but like what's the thing you miss because of this like yep. mediocre role that you do and so something like that is something you know that you can take from this game and then apply back into a different system that you're playing more often or like my favorite is i think it's i want to say it's kids on bikes uh system but it was uh, again, just because Abria is my queen, um, she stole a system from there for a heist game that she was running. And it was this idea that I think is very similar to some of this like Destiny Light stuff that we're talking about in this game of like, what was the thing that we haven't articulated yet that you planned for? for Blades in the like, Dark. Blades in the Dark yeah, is a real heist oriented game. Mm -hmm. And so we use yeah. this in the Lost RPG, Mike. I yeah. do a lot of like cob job building RPGs from scratch with open game systems when I can. But this notion mm -hmm. that you have a flashback in yeah. the middle of the session, real time, and you're able to flashback to before the heist, that thing you planned that all yeah. of a sudden is important right. now. It's, it's Bill, it's Bill and Ted outside. putting the keys behind the sign at the police station and the garbage can at the top, right? Like, okay, One let me put favorites time travel moments let me play this thing narratively so that it's going to make sense in the moment which is interesting like interestingly both like hampering but also hamperless and that like okay you could do anything but at the same time you're like okay but now i need to think through exactly how i'm able to put this specific plot conceit in yeah. the current timeline it's but so yeah so i love stealing stuff yep. from other from other games and trying to and and you know depending on how much you can do or like you know one of my favorite things is to mess with the mechanics in ways that you know D, D really does lend itself to but you know i love asking for a like intimidation check that uses your strength instead of your charisma right like messing with and not always playing by like the very specific rules of D D, and the more you can play with that and i find that if you if all you play is D, &D it's harder to do that but when you start playing yep. these other games you start to be like oh but why couldn't we you know give you this ability instead of this other one and especially if you're playing with like a group of your friends at home you can change whatever rules you want like at the end of the day the number one rule True of D, &D is like the dm can do anything whatever like you know find ways to make to make the things your players want to do achievable in that world so um yeah i'm very excited to play i think that you know there's i enjoy the fact that there's not a lot of like narrative rules in D, &D. to me that is, again is like a feature not a bug that it's like mm -hmm. you can do anything you can the narrative stuff is very open there are no kind of dice restrictions around that to me that is a thing that I enjoy, but I am excited to play something different because I'm sure there are things like this, like we talked about in terms of like flexibility around character creation that I think is very, very cool of like not having to fit your specific idea to one of 11 classes and then stuff like that, that I can like continue to take back and like put into D and D games. I think that'll be really cool. Cause yeah, I love playing different types of games and seeing, you know, what sticks, what's the, what's the cool new thing I'm going to steal? And what's the thing that I'm like, okay, that's different, but like, maybe I prefer the way D and D does it for whatever reason. So 
um, folks who've been like keeping up with PSRPGs, uh, our goal here is to create like a cinematic episodic style of an adventure. So I very freely carve away the rules that are going to get in the way of doing that here. Right. <laughs> when we did the Willow one with the, with uh, using fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, I let Druids cast spells in wild shape. We played Apocalypse World last time. We didn't deal with any of the weird psychic maelstrom stuff because it's set in the world of the last of us and that doesn't map. So in that same way for this one shot, there's plenty of rules in these uh, fantasy fight games that we're not digging into. That would be tremendous for you to steal for your Dungeons and Dragons game. Things like the obligation that you start with in the edge of the empire, the idea that you're in debt to somebody, you owe somebody something, that Han Solo element of Jabba's looking for his money, right? Um, the ideas of like, you're kind of like virtues even can, can be elements here. Each of the different fantasy flight games has a system like that, that is very kind of like character backstory narrative focus that are elements that they mechanize we're not worried about any of that for us to tell a one-shot mandalorian story that said uh what you were talking about was that these notions of failing forward or like gradations of success on your difficulties and your dice rolls in a DD game it's something so easy to take out of this system even though mechanically it's not really there in DD, you can do it all the time uh it lends itself to much like the a beloved show by many of us around here the genius can be a game of hideous victories and beautiful <laughs> defeats right the idea that like whatever you're trying to do doesn't work out but there's some unexpected benefit out of that or you might like completely succeed at what you're trying to do only to end up with like a terrible outcome that you never could have imagined or anticipated so we will see uh what may show up out of this game in your local friendly neighborhood DD games because of uh, our exercise here it's a very cool system i encourage folks who love star wars to go check it out if you want an example of us playing it after you listen to this preview and you got to wait a week for episode one uh over on my youtube channel there is i think it's in the podcast feed of the star wars podcast feed postshowrecaps.com slash star wars is the rss link um we ran this game just before uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi last spring back in, in 2023. Is that right? God, it's been a long year. Holy no, cow. this year's 2023. 2022. Yeah. I'm lost. Uh, yeah, what I'm happens gonna... when we skip years in our okay. We're, RPG we're going games. for a long, long time ago. So it, the years don't matter. We're going ABY from now exactly. on. Exactly. Um, but we did run it. It was myself, Mike, Josh, Grace Leader, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick. We had a heck of a good time. It was quite ridiculous. The VOD is up on YouTube if you want to see some of the crazy dice. I'm pretty sure that the podcast is in the feed. Um, before we part from our preview show here, just a little teaser, no spoilers. Uh, Mike Bloom, what should people know about your character? Who are you playing on a surface level? Oh, on a surface level, I will say I am playing a regular, degular person. Um, I will say, I will hint to the fact that of the three, I would imagine he has one of the most direct ties into something from The Mandalorian Season 3. Ironically enough, Rich, maybe one of your least favorite parts of The Mandalorian Season 3, that we'll see if that's the case by the end. He is a familiar face, but not a familiar face at the same time. Excellent. Uh, human, I guess, noteworthy of a regular, regular old human. Uh, Kevin, how about you? Uh, so, I don't know. Okay, listen. My real-life self hates the ocean. I am, I'm not a fan of going into the deep water. It, I, is I it the sand, it, Kevin? Is it gets sand gets it gets everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but also just, I'd rather be on the sand than in the water. I just am not comfortable with it. 
However, for whatever reason, in Star Wars world, whenever I play these games, I'm always drawn to semi-aquatic creatures of some sort. <laughs> Wait, the name you, of the do race. you play a Gungan in your games? I have it, but it crossed my mind. Uh, <laughs> I've, done, I've, done, uh, I've done a Nautilin. I've done these like otter-like creatures whose names are escaping me right now, but they're giant, basically giant space otters, which is awesome. Uh, there's these shark ones called the Karakadun. And Sorry, Rich, I need to though, change my character really last minute. I need to be, be next a space Just to clarify, four. this is Karkadun, right? not Karadun, right? Yes, correct. Not Karadun. We no don't want to talk about no, her. Uh, but in this particular case, I'm going with a race I've never played but always love and being a Mon Calamari, which is really exciting. I mean, a legendarily, Admiral Akbar is the most famous one. Uh, but this is really fun. I'm looking forward to playing this character who has a very non, I think, Mon Calamari uh, career. And that's going to be part of what's going on there with him. So it's going to be really fun to dive into that. Excellent. I am excited. How about you, Melissa? No spoilers. Yeah. Surface level. I'm playing the muscle of the party, I think, which is just, you know, always How a fun you? time. <laughs> uh, IRL, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, I am playing uh, somewhat of a titular character who you know might have more going on than it appears so yeah it'll be fun check it out it will be fun you should check it out episode one coming to you next week thank all you guys for joining me i'm gonna cross my fingers uh and may the force be with you Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.